Okay, welcome everybody to episode three of the Key Chargers. Tonight, as always, I am joined by my cohort in crime. Justin. Justin. All right, and uh, I'm, of course, myself, Neil, or OU Sooners fan, as, as I'm known, I guess, on the leaderboard. And we have our first interview of, of our podcast. It's kind of the format going forward. Tonight, we are joined by uh, Chris. We're going to get started with the interview, like right off the bat. Chris, what is your, what's your background with card games? So, for a long time, I played Yu-Gi-Oh! Probably ever since I was like six or something. Uh, my brother taught me to play Yu-Gi-Oh! And I played for a really, really long time. Uh, I fiddled around with Pokemon, Vanguard, Magic Gathering, WoW TCG when I was really young. But uh, I played mostly Yu-Gi-Oh! And I think about six months or a year ago, I quit Yu-Gi-Oh! to play Keyforge and... Honestly, right now it's my main game, and I love it. So can't keep can't get enough of it. So even though you're side dabbling with Argent Saga right now, okay, that was that was more of a test. That was more of a test. I think Argent Argent Saga is made by ARG, who ran some Yu-Gi-Oh tournaments in the past. So I decided to try out their game. Uh, it's a lot of fun, but I'm definitely staying with Keyforge. Gotcha. And I think Justin, you know Saga as well, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I may have been the one that's, that introduced him to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. Um, let's go into uh, uh, what's your what's your favorite vault tour you've been to, and maybe if you want to tell us how many you've been to and why it's your favorite. Yeah. Um, so I've been to three vault tours. I was at Adepticon, I was at Origins, and I was at Gen Con. I went day two at Adepticon, uh, top sixteen at Origins, and I went. Uh, two and four at Gen Con. I didn't, I, that was the seals. I didn't get to do the uh, Archon because uh, I had to work. It, it was a lot of fun. All three of them were a lot of fun. I got to meet a lot of people. But, but I, you got to pick a favorite. Yeah, I, I think I have to go with Origins. Kind of cheating because I went top 16. But uh, it was a lot of fun. I got uh, a pretty good deck. I got three pretty good decks and that I really enjoyed. But every single match was a lot of close ones. Every match went about three and two, except for the last match. They were all three and two games, super, super close against a lot of really skilled players that I really enjoyed playing against. I think Adepticon, we were, the game was a little too new, and we were playing in Coda format, and I prefer AOA format. And Gen Con, I, I didn't really get to play very good decks at Gen Con. It was a lot of fun. I got to play some good players, but Origins, at least, is my personal favorite. Awesome. Sounds great. Any, any, uh, anything, Justin, from your end on playing either with or against Chris or anything else you want to ask? Uh, so I, I guess you, you kind of have to go with Origins, right? Since you top 16, since I have to go with Gen Con, since I top 16 <laughs> 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 as, as, as favorite Vault Tour. So in, in Origins, what was your favorite matchup? Like who, who was it that you played that kind of really sticks with you? My favorite matchup? It'd probably be first game of day two when I had to get into top 16. It was really, really close. I ended up doing a really funny shenanigans with uh, with Soldiers of Flowers key charge, which was kind of the the final play of the deck to get the third key was mostly Soldiers of Flowers key charge. I can tell you, Justin, that, I mean, you know, I, I played on day 1A. Chris originally didn't think he could make day 1A, so he had signed up for day 1B. And getting to watch as his dad, I was as nervous as anything else watching him play pretty much every match he played. 
And I think of his uh, day one B when he went five and one, I think at least four were closed out by soldiers to flower key charge. Very appropriate with the podcast name, but um, it, it was kind of fun. Um, oh yeah. The, 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 game, the deck matched the, the team name so well. And the, the shadows in the disc were so, so dirty in the deck. And the, Untamed was able to get me through board, like dealing with the board enough that it had a little bit of everything that I kind of like in a deck. Enough, enough control and enough creatures that you could put on board made the deck a lot interesting. Plus, if you want to go find on Rob's gaming table about a seven-minute match, you can go watch him lose in the top 16 to AJ's deck. Um, that deck was over so fast. Uh, that game was over so fast. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, it was, his, AJ's deck was was broken, so... Yeah, I didn't exactly enjoy that game. But yeah, you're all welcome to go watch it. Awesome. Hey, uh, Chris, uh, you know, we, we got to roll right into uh, Deck of the Week before we hit our first break. Tell us uh, what what your thoughts about the deck are. The Screen Killer is probably the deck I've played the most out of any deck that I own. I opened it super early uh, whenever I was getting into uh, Keyforge. It's a crazy deck. It's a Coda deck with, I think, 24 creatures. And the deck, the four Ancient Bears and the Bear Flute really kind of make the deck go round. And if you draw the Bear Flute early, you can kind of see where the deck shines. Kind of struggles in some of the, in some of the, like, typical aspects of Keyforge because you want some Amber generation, some Amber control. The deck kind of lacks in both of those. But it's a lot of fun to play when it goes off. And it's personally one of my favorite decks to play. Justin, what are your thoughts taking a look at the deck? Yeah, so taking a look at it, I think it, Chris kind of nailed it. Uh, you know, horseman decks, for whatever reason, struggle with putting together Amber. And uh, sometimes you can get some with Amber control, but that's kind of what jumped out at me right away. But, I mean, the Bear Flute, the four Ancient Bears, um, that Untamed Suite just looks like a lot of fun. Uh, Hunting Witch, Witch of the Eye... Uh, Mighty Tiger. I just I imagine if you can keep the the bear flute on the board uh, for a decent amount of time, having to deal with the the horsemen and the bears could get really annoying. Yeah, I've played uh, against it. Um, the funny thing is, the the night he opened this, I think it was your birthday, and we went to a game store. He wanted to spend some of his birthday money, and we we went and grabbed a couple of decks and. Uh, and he said, hey, Dad, which one do you want? And then I was like, you know, whichever one. He opened up both of them, and he kind of described them to me. And he was like, I want this one, I want this one. And I was like, okay. And come to come to pass, I mean, one of my favorite decks was the other deck he opened was, as the, the players around here know it as the Guru deck with the double banner of battle, was the other deck that was opened in addition to this one. So, um, and it's been played in a couple of all tours. But, uh, yeah, this deck is crazy to play against. It's uh, it, it gets a little scary whenever he's got the the bears. You've got big creatures. He'll just sack the bears for all he cares, you know, into it and just bring them all back, or heal them. It, it's either way. Um, it gets pretty nasty. And if he can get to where he cycles the miasma with the the bear flute, it gets pretty gross too. So. Yeah, yeah, def definitely the deck looks looks like a lot of fun. I I think about back. Uh, you said you opened this towards the beginning. I, I think about, you know, at the time when, when horsemen were, 
going for crazy amounts of of money what what would this have been <laughs> what would have somebody bought this for because it's got bear flute with four bears and and the horseman i aside from being just or aside from just looking like a really fun deck uh to to play to navigate uh through definitely going to have to make some decisions on uh I, i'd imagine you know do do i just keep going untamed and and abusing the bears or uh, do i do i use the the horsemen um i mean this this lines up really well with uh famine um you know so he's he's not really going to kill off any of those bears so you know they're going to stick around yeah the the biggest struggle is the shadows uh sometimes famine kind of kills off the bad penny is probably the biggest weakness. I would trade that for basically any other creature. Um, the one is very annoying to work around, but the the naughties sometimes get in the way. But otherwise, if the shadows creatures stay on board, you actually do have amber control in this deck. There's three naughties and two dodgers and an umbra. So you have a really weird creature-based shadows. And if it can stick on the board, like if your opponent can't deal with it, it gets pretty insane. You have big creature lineups of 16 or more creatures, and it can just get insane. Yeah, I was going to ask, how often do you discard Bad Penny? Honestly, not enough. <laughs> Every single time <laughs> I play I realize that it's a mistake to play her. Rather, my opponent kills her off super easily, and she clogs up the hand, or occasionally she'll stay. She works really well with the Hunting Witch, uh, but most times you should discard her in this deck. Because she just gets in the way of everything. Pestilence will kill her off. Famine will kill her off. And she's not really useful for anything. Okay, we're going to go ahead and head into our first break. We'll be back with everybody here in just a minute. Okay, welcome back from the break. Uh, we are going to get into our main topic of the night. We're going to talk about the Saurian Republic. And before we get into that, though, we do want to touch quickly on the new keywords. We have four new keywords um, coming in on Worlds Collide, and um, we'll probably get into Haunted, one of the new keywords, um, in, a, in a later episode, because we're going to kind of focus on the other ones, because they are definitely within the Saurian Republic. Uh, Chris, what do we got? One of the, what's one of the new ones? Um, the first one we'll talk about is uh, Exalted. Exalted, essentially, you take an amber from the common supply and you place it on the creature that is exalting itself. And then, typically, they get some sort of effect. Um, whatever that effect is, it depends on the card. But, essentially, you get some beneficial effect in exchange for self-capturing, I guess. Not from your own side, but from the common supply. So, your opponent can kill the creature, get the amber. That's kind of what they're getting from Exalted. Gotcha, a little risk-reward. Sounds great. What other? What else do we have, Justin? Uh, so the second one we've got is Ward. And Warded creatures, instead of being destroyed, um, either by uh, a board-clearing effect or spot removal or an attack, will lose the Ward instead of being destroyed. So a good way of keeping your creatures around on the board. Awesome. Yeah, I'm liking that yeah. one. Oh, yeah, it's a great way to keep your creatures safe from sample collection or zookeeper. Some of those effects that you didn't really ever have control over, now you kind of have control over. And I'm thinking 
we'll get into some of these cards. Uh, you're going to have to have some of these because they're going to get targeted really quick. <laughs> I can think of at least one in the Grand Star Alliance that we'll talk about next week. Oh, and next yeah. week's episode is going to get targeted immediately. Um, let's see. Uh, we also have Enrage. Um, <laughs> Enrage uh, is an ability. Um, you're going to be able to enrage a creature. If a creature is enraged, The uh, it's going to have to attack the next time it does anything. That's a pretty simple thing. I, I do know what I think of all of this is where are we going to put the counters? I have no freaking <laughs> My, uh, Yeah, I, I've started to look at investing in a tackle box because I'm, I'm pretty sure by the time, by this time next year, uh, with at least two new sets by that point, uh, with a, the third newest set coming, I'm probably going to need a tackle box to, to house all of my tokens. Does seem that way. Hopefully, some people will come up with some double sided measures or something to help out. That'd be nice. All right, what do we got? We are going to let our guests lead us off into the Saurian Republic. All right. So, the first card we have is Philophosaurus. So, Philophosaurus uh, is a dinosaur philosopher, four strength, uh, has a reap effect. Uh, you may look at the top three cards of your deck archive one, add one to your hand, and discard one. This effect is insane uh, for a creature that has as much strength as four and is essentially an Igor, but better on Reap. As you get to archive one and you get to discard one instead, which is insane. Yeah, I, I agree. This uh, this card is going to be absolutely crazy. You better get a ward on him um, because it's going to get targeted pretty quick. You cannot let that thing go off more than once, I don't think. Yeah, I, I imagine that. Having the the philosopher, I kind of want to call it the uh, philophosaurus, and I, I can't seem to get that right. But the effect is just a constant, better Igor, um, and and I think as Chris mentioned, with four health, it's probably going to stick on the board for a little bit unless you've got some kind of removal. So be, be, being able to cycle your deck like that, uh, potentially, I mean, at the very least, once a turn. Is is such a great effect? Oh yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, next up on the list, we've got a Paragardian, six power, one armor, dinosaur soldier. Um, it also has the ability reap. You may exalt Paragardian if you do ward each of its neighbors. I strongly suggest you ward that Philophosaurus guy, um, but that is going to be a, a pretty neat card. I don't know if there's a whole lot to say about it, but kind of a cool effect. Yeah. Oh, go, go ahead, Justin. So, so, so the 6-1 the body means it's going to stick around. Uh, the exalt being able to award. Uh, the only thing I think I would like to see on this is maybe deploy, yeah. uh, which I don't know how broken that would make it, but you know, being able to deploy it in your line and then warding whatever creatures are on either side of it I think would be the quintessential card for this, but... I mean, as is, it's still pretty good. Yeah, I'll almost say if it had taunt, so you could use that body a little better. Because if it had taunt as a 6-1, you could also protect the creatures with the taunt and the wards. It kind of feels like that, probably because of uh, some of the Sanctum cards we've had in the past. But at least that's what I get from it. So next we've got the Axiom of Grisk. Uh, this is an action. So when you play this card, it will ward a creature... 
and then destroy each creature with no amber on it and gain two chains. So this is where when you've got uh, the Saurian Republic that's exalting creatures uh, comes into play. So it's it's kind of a, a, a good card for board clear against non-Saurian Republic decks. What's interesting to note is that this card is common, or at least it looks like from the picture. So it's not like this card would be hard to see, and especially with how Saurians play with Exile and stuff, you may have more control over what creatures are dying to that effect. So it'll be kind of interesting how we, we abuse it in the future. And uh, this next card we have has an Amber Pip on it. It's an action called Failing Strike. So when you play it, you choose a creature, deal one damage to it for each friendly creature, and uh, you may exalt a friendly creature to repeat its effect. So it's got, <laughs> it's got that very strange wording, kind of like bait and switch, where you can do the effect twice, not more than that, but you can do it twice. And I feel like this, I don't think it's going to be anything special. It's common, so you'll probably see it a lot. But the Amber Pip helps, and it's a little bit of spot removal. And that's really about it. I think uh, I think the Amber Pip is is probably the saving grace for this card for me. Uh, four power, one strength. Senator Shrix is next on our list. It's a a dinosaur liar. I mean, politician. Uh, <laughs> it is its ability. You may spend Amber on Senator Shrix as if it were in your pool. Play Reap, you may exalt Senator Shrix. What are you guys thinking of this card? I love it. <laughs> I'm sorry to say this is actually one of my favorite Saurian cards that I've seen. Uh, it's it's a creature that kind of acts like the, the, the Shadows and the Logos artifacts. It's a creature version of that. But it your opponent has to put so much value on this because you get essentially free Amber usage is the amber that they could get you get to use for your keys for free yeah it's it's uh it's a very it's an interesting card <laughs> said liar politician it just made me think of all of the jokes that are going to come out of this this saurian uh republic house uh, because i'm pretty sure this isn't the the only politician we'll see when you play it it gets exalted um with so that's already one that you can use towards uh, forging a key. And then uh, if you, any turn after that, you can, can continue to exalt it, or if you can keep it on the board long enough, then it's just gonna continue to, to build amber towards a key. Um, a lot like uh, Chris mentioned redacted um, is, is a good, it's a, a creature redacted, it's kind of saving up or safe place or uh Pocky. the other yeah, yeah yeah just just a way to to store amber and, and to know that you can if you can keep it on the board uh that's something that you can use towards your forging your keys which is really nice so i mean this would be a good candidate for award also common as well and it, and it works really really well with our next card uh which is chant of hubris uh, just an action. It is play. Move one amber from a creature to another creature. Uh, and it, you do get one amber for playing it. So, uh, again, th this card uh, 
with the Saurian Republic House is going to be a really good card to have also common. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, th I would say just a really good action for the house. Yeah, uh, the Amber Pip easily saves the card and actually makes it a decent card. What's what's nice is that it actually says just says move one amber from a creature to another creature, so you can actually use it on your opponent's cards. So if your opponent's use uh, capturing amber on separate creatures, you can all move them to the same creature. Uh, it's only one amber, but uh, this also can be used with some of the other soaring cards we saw, like the board wipe, which destroys every creature with no amber on it, so you can protect more creatures with it. It's got a lot of little niche use that I think like one or two of this card with. Uh, specific other Saurian cards could be yeah. used for some cool the combos. Com the combos, I think, especially since it's common, once again, almost all these have been common. The, the combo stuff is going to be uh, kind of fun and interesting. Can't wait to see some of these. Now, the next card is another action with another Amber Pip, is uh, Imperium, which says play Ward 2 Friendly Creatures, which is probably one of the nuttiest actions I could think of as warding any two friendly creatures could be insane. You play the Senator Shrix from, that we saw earlier, you ward it and any other creature, you ward a taunt, you can ward any other valuable creatures that you might have, uh, the Philosophosaurus or anything, and it makes them that much harder to remove right off the bat. Man, we've got five power, one armor, dinosaur soldier, taunt, uh, Tricerian Le Legionary, I guess would be the way you say that. It has uh, uh, an effect as well. Play Ward a Friendly Creature. I think, my opinion, I would rather see Tricerian Legionary drop in my hands as a common than the card we just saw. I just think it's going to be a little bit more useful considering you know it's real board-centric with, with, uh, with your Saurians. It can target itself, right? If you play a ward a friendly creature, it could it could ward itself. Yep. That's actually very useful. Yeah, that's pretty nutty. All right, so the next card we've got is the Coliseum, uh, which is an artifact, and I think this has probably been the most talked about card from Zorian Republic as, as far as I've seen so far. Um, so it's a location after it's an artifact. Uh, if I didn't say that already, but it's a location after an enemy creature is destroyed while fighting put a glory counter on the Colosseum. And then it's got an Omni ability. If there are six or more glory counters on the Colosseum, you can remove six and forge a key at current cost. So we've got another, another key cheat that's an artifact, like Redacted or uh, Epic Quest. And I think this is a, a, fitting, uh, a fitting artifact to replace Epic Quest since uh, Sanctum's getting replaced. That you know, just put so you put this glory counter uh, anytime an enemy creature is destroyed while fighting. So, this is gonna encourage fighting on the board, which I personally, me personally, am a big fan of. Um, I like that they are forcing, so to speak, uh, play on the board with this card. And, and the reward for fighting and destroying enemy creatures is a key. This card is. I don't know how useful this card will be, as it doesn't say you forge a key for free. It just says forge key at current cost. I think this is a decent replacement for key charge. We haven't really seen a key cheat do as well as key charge, but the fact that you just get to forge a key at six 
without your opponent being able to do anything about it is is really useful and it's an omni so you can if you have it matched up with a, maybe a good brobnar setup and it you kill a bunch of creatures because it's not once per turn so you, it maybe has three counters on it you kill a few creatures maybe you uh, war chest or something i don't know if it's in the next set but maybe you do and you get you rack up to six forge the key and your opponent can't really do anything about it so there the uses for this card i think it's really cool but i'm not entirely sure how useful it'll be i think it'll depend right yeah you st- i mean you still have to have the six amber to forge a key so, so spot on there which gets around having to have seven uh, typically if if you've got no additional uh key cost stuff on the board but uh in for untamed to forge with key charge so it's it's slightly better yet it, it may be conditional usage um i i just i think for me i like the fact that it encourages board play oh oh yeah i think uh, looking at this, just a guess, I think this will be kind of going where AOA is going with the the more board-centric play. There seems to be a lot more creatures, the ward, the enrage. A lot of those effects seem to affect creatures and pushes creature play uh, a lot more than Coda ever did. So, And I like that form of play, and I'm really glad that cards like Coliseum and all these new keywords kind of enforce that. Awesome. What do we got next here? Uh, we got City State Interest, an action with no Amber Pit. Uh, just says, play each friendly creature captures one, which is essentially a one-sided Pandemonium, right? Uh, I know it's not quite, because Pandemonium says undamaged creature, but it's kind of like an un, uh, a one-sided Pandemonium. Yeah, I mean, it seems like this is uh, easily going to be the uh, kind of, uh, you know, Amber Control card. So far, the, the closest thing we've seen to it in the Saurians. It'll be interesting on uh, because because there is com- there is combo potential here. If you've got the uh, the senator out and you now you've moved another amber onto Shrix, so uh, the combo potential for this seems pretty big. And as Chris pointed out, it's a one sided pandemonium, which I kind of like the the amber control of that. So I'll be interested to see how the combo potential for this card actually works out because it doesn't give you an amber pip for playing it. The combo into Axiom of Grisk is obviously, you know, pretty well noted here too. You just capture amber and you, you know, and since you're getting to decide where that amber goes, you spread it where you need to on who doesn't already have some and just wipe the board on the other side for two chains that's a pretty pretty nice two card yeah. combo. I think combining this with Senator Shrix and maybe move an Amber on a Senator Shrix and the board wipe, and all of a sudden Senator Shrix has three three Amber on it. Some of the combo potential with that card, well, you, it's it's definitely there. Well, then you reap in a couple of cards. So you got the Coliseum out, poof, because you've destroyed other creatures. Uh, maybe not by fighting, I guess, but. You know, if you've got that counters built up, then that this obviously has uh, some potential with it. And then last but not least, the, the cards that we're previewing for tonight, I get to say it again, it's a four-power dinosaur liar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's going to be the new way I say it, but obviously not. It's a dinosaur politician, Draco Preco. Um, looks like we're all going to be poets. 
Um, <laughs> it also has the ability reap. You may exalt Draco Preco if you do choose a house and rage each creature of that house. I'm kind. I think this will be useful against shadows. Uh, obviously, shadows creatures aren't typically very big, but I'm kind of worried if uh, we still have Brobner, we still have Untamed, and certain disc setups can have fairly sizable creatures. So I'm not entirely sure how useful this might be. Uh, I feel like in certain scenarios this could be super useful, but I'm not sure I'd prefer this card over something like Philosophosaurus, which has the same strength and has probably a better reaping ability in most scenarios, but it's still a useful effect. Yeah, I think well, it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely an interesting card. I think they would see interesting usage of it. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised in Sealed if this ends up being a good card to have in, in a sealed tournament where you can essentially force your opponent, especially if they've got a decent board into fighting with one particular house. And, and that may, your opponent make decisions that they normally wouldn't have made if they didn't have enraged creatures. Hey, um, we're uh, at the end of our, uh, Saurian Republic list for the night. Uh, we are going to go ahead and take a quick break and we'll be right back to wrap up the episode. Okay, welcome back to our third and final spot of the night here. We are going to finish up talking uh, about several things. I think first we're going to talk about Store championship season is just about upon us coming into the next couple of months. And I know, uh, I know there was some news on, on this front since the last time we recorded. Yeah. So, so last time, since the last time we recorded, they, Alex Watkins came out and made the announcement that store championships in order for them to be official now have to have 16 players. Uh, if you have anywhere below 16 players, you can still give out the prizes but you won't get the amber shards, uh, which is which is interesting. I think um, I you know we talked about this offline a little bit, Neil. But you won't have a problem getting sixteen people, but in my area, getting sixteen people, uh, getting sometimes more than four people is a struggle. So uh, I think I may come away with some nice top four prizes, but uh, it'll be disappointing, or it is disappointing, that I won't be able to get any amber shards off of off of any store championships. Um, the other part of that too is uh, we're starting to see stores start to schedule their store championships, and so it's nice to see uh, folks getting those on the calendar and some uh, tournaments, those store championships for people to start looking forward to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know. We are on the same team, and I may be traveling west for the Las Vegas Vault Tour, but I'm not coming just for your store championships. Uh, <laughs> are you, sh- are you sure? This is Neil. He is uh, the equivalent of what I have to do, 12 people. You need to be 12 people, Neil. It's 12 people because I traveled so far. I will give you 12. <laughs> I will give you 12 decks to play. <laughs> That's not. It's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> Um, the one thing we wanted to do is this is the key chargers podcast and we probably haven't done enough of this, but we do want to talk about, um, kind of where we stand as a team, 
um, after the the vault tour in Poland. Um, that has uh, happened. And after we have six players currently in the top 100 at the moment, we have um, Michael um, is our top ranked player in 37th uh, overall with the uh, 490 Amber Shards earned. Um, um, I get to toot my own horn a little bit. I'm in 38th. Michael with a great showing at Gen Con passed me just barely. Um, I'm in the 38th at the moment, 45. Um, and then Justin uh, and Eli, um, our youngest member, um, are both tied at, in 66th with 360 Ember Shards. My son here sitting next to me, Chris Gusto Boy, uh, tied at 79th at 340. And then uh, James, um, which would be Eli's father, uh, tied currently at 83rd um, at uh, 330 Ember Shards as well. Well... It's kind of sad I dropped so far. <laughs> Used to be a little higher, but uh, hey, uh, still top 100, and uh, get to go some vault tours later. So hopefully, get a little higher on that leaderboard. Yeah, there's plenty of time to add amber shards. I'm sure after Vegas, you will have leapfrogged me. That would that would be nice to know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll take a look. Hey, you know, currently we had, you know, we had events around here since last week. Um, I have now upped my event total to 68. Um, now that I'm keeping track, I guess, um, I have uh, played in 68 chain-bound or bigger events. We got a couple more Bulwark mats this week. So um, uh, Chris won one tonight. And, and uh, I took one home on uh, on Sunday in a very strange event, I'll tell you, um, it was really weird to sit down. We had a, a store locally that had uh, quite a few Gamma decks left from wow. uh, the Coda Gamma decks. And they wanted to use those to run a sealed event with those decks. Um, that was really weird running sealed for the first time since, I think, May uh, with Coda only as, you know, you're sitting looking and thinking of what your opponent could have, and you really have to kind of almost get into a different mindset of what's going to happen next. That seems like an interesting and definitely fun. It's a lot of those gamma decks, or sorry, a lot of the gamma decks that I have seen are all pretty good decks. And I'm not saying that's all of them, but I, the ones that I've seen that have had some some really interesting combos, especially the Coda ones. Yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely some cool ones out there. I think one of our teammates, he's currently, I think, at about 102nd or something like that. Sean's going to be running uh, a Gamma deck, I think, at um, at St. Louis, uh, at the Collinsville Vault Tour here in just a couple of weeks. It's a really, really good one. So, Yeah, tournament-wise, uh, so we, we held our bi-weekly uh, what turned out to be four-person tournament this weekend, so nothing official. Uh, we just did a sealed event. I did get a triple routine job deck, which was kind of nice. I just didn't get to abuse it as as well as I would have liked. Um, deck was a lot of fun to play, though. Double hit Beam in Mars um, had had a little bit of everything. Poltergeist unlock gateway, so. I had I had pretty decent control. Shadows uh, had the triple routine job, uh, so it was it was a lot of fun to it was a lot of fun to play. I just I didn't get to use I don't I don't think I have to abuse it as much as I would have liked. Was it 
Did you happen to have a proliferator to just cycle the hypno beams? I did not have a proliferator in the deck, unfortunately. That would have been pretty fantastic. Yeah, that would have been really awesome. Let's just cycle hypno beams right back and just keep taking all your creatures. That would have been great. Hey, I think that just about wraps us up. We do have some news, though. We have finally gotten ourselves onto iTunes. So iTunes is alive and well. If you guys want to listen to us there, you can. We're also available Spotify, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and, of course, on Anchor, who were nice enough to host us. And that's how we record and, uh, and distribute to everything we need to. Once again, as last uh, but not least, you can email us at thekeychargers at gmail.com if you have any comments, suggestions, questions, uh, insults, uh, you're mad because you're a politician and I irritated you tonight. Um, whatever you want to do, you can get a hold of us there. <laughs> For tonight, I, uh, I'll sign off by saying Boomer Sooner. Go you. Go you. Boomer Sooner. Matt, everyone. <laughs>